on this episode of Quantum Week, December 22nd through 28th, 2002. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year, and we talk about movies and music and headlines and our personal stories. And today, we are in the last week of December 2002 with Gangs of New York and Lose Yourself by Eminem from the 8 Mile soundtrack and movie. That's right. Uh, Before we get into uh, any of that stuff, let's talk some two tours, baby. Yep. Get those gummies. Get them. I mean, because you'd be in good company. A lot of people are getting those gummies. I've noticed. This is a... People are really excited about this. They are. About the gummy. I mean, obviously, we've talked before about the sob and the sugar and the droplets, um, all things that I, uh, especially the yeah, droplets yeah, yeah. for me, are right. particularly great. The I know sugar, you the sugar and the a sob, yep. Um, so, uh, but the gummies are out of control. I've eaten all my gummies. Yeah. <laughs> I finished the pack. <laughs> I, I got to the point where I was just having like, I was having just one every now. I, I started off like, oh, I'll just have a couple here. I'll have one here. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to have one every night because it was just like, it was very relaxing and soothing and like it just made me feel good and uh you know have them at night uh just kind of chilling out into the evening and, and it just worked really well for me you know what i like is people thanking us for telling them about two tours like that's happening all over twitter too like you're they, they thanked your uh your soft sell read too which was I, nice I, yeah I, I sure i guess i don't i don't, I don't know about it. I, mean, I just liked it it was like oh thanks for you know turning us on as good product not surprised you like that shut up uh but i but the good news is you know you can still get the gummies uh obviously so you go to two tours.com uh you can you know join the masses here um the cool thing is if you use the promo code qw you get free shipping and 10 percent off i uh, like i know i've told the story before you know i you know if, if you've given Certain states, like New Hampshire, you have to drive all the way to Massachusetts. Yes, go through this whole rigmarole. Just even even if you go to Massachusetts, you still have to then go to the store, go through this whole process. Like they basically yeah. almost like pat you down. It's a whole. It's it's a pain in the ass. If you go to tutors.com, use the promo code QW. It literally comes to your doorstep. Yeah, that's all. You just open up your mailbox, and there it is. Couldn't be any easier. Um, it's it's and it's uh it's they're fantastic and they're really good and you know it's Delta Eight which. I've said before, I like personally like better, better than Delta Nine. Right. I know uh, some other people do as well. Uh, if you have never tried the Delta Eight, I recommend. And you know, gummies are your thing. Definitely give give it a, give it a try. Uh, I, I think it's better, but you know, you know, obviously everyone's different. But I definitely think it's worth a shot. Um, yeah, tutors.com promo code QW ten percent off, free shipping. And the good get those gummies. They're good. Just get them. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Gangs of New York. Yeah. This is an excellent movie. It's going to hit my top five. Wow, yeah. So there's no movie I love more that I have more problems with, if that makes any sense. <laughs> All right, we'll have to go through. I, I think I'm overlooking some stuff just because it's so stunning and some of the performances are so fucking amazing. It's a great movie. Yeah. It's, uh, a, it's a great movie. It's, there's a, some, it's to my top, like, 35. There's some scenes here where I'm like, this is just master cinematography. Oh. Like, just some and amazing... Direction. And it's direction. really yeah. more direction than cinematography, I think. But there's bo- It's both. In fact, I, I was like, did this not... This got nominated for... Well, famously, uh, got nominated for 10 times. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But, I mean, but this got nominated for, a cinematogra- for cinematography, too. And I was like, oh, what else beat this out? And of course, it's Road to Perdition. I'm like, okay, that's fine. All's right in the world. But beyond yes. that, there's not much else... That was better that year in terms of cinematography. Oh, that was better. I think it's more of a directing feat than a cinematography feat in this case, especially with Scorsese directing. Um, 
but I uh, I don't think there are many films that are more interesting. This isn't a no. pretty film to look at because it's so raw. And, it's and, super and raw, rough. Do you know but, what it reminds me of? Is an old like faded, tattered American flag where the white is starting to brown out, but you still have that. You still have that patchy like red and blue color. Mm-hmm. That's that's what that this thing reminded me of. It's a it's a it's a really interesting. There's there are fewer films, if if maybe no film, that's more interesting to look at than this one. Yeah. Um, obviously, Road to Perdition. We mentioned it's the it's the most beautiful film. It's beautiful. I've ever seen. Um, and, uh, this is not beautiful, but it's still incredibly, the production design is even probably even better than the cinematography, um, to basically recreate. And by all accounts of, you know, that I've seen by, uh, historians, I don't don't know much about 1850s, 1860s, New York, but everyone who does says Scorsese nailed it. Yeah. Um, and that's why he couldn't, you know, he wanted to make this movie for so long and he couldn't do it because you really couldn't do it in New York because it doesn't look the same anymore. Yeah. You can't make this movie in New York. So he had to rebuild it in Italy? Is that what he did? Yeah, he went into a giant, <laughs> uh, basically, movie lot in Italy, in Rome. And uh, they reconstructed the five points there. And most of this movie was shot there, yeah. which created a whole another world of problems uh, from budget perspective. This is sure. Scorsese is usually pretty, pretty good with budgets, but this was always the movie he wanted to make the most. And when he got the green light to do it, he went overboard with so many things and basically didn't scrimp on anything, which you can see it's clearly yeah. it's all on the screen. Yeah. Um, and the movie went wildly over budget, which created a huge problems with him and Harvey Weinstein. They, they got into huge fights about it. Uh, also got fights about Harvey Weinstein wanted this to be a two hour movie. Yeah. Of course, he's couldn't have back. Yeah. This was like a major battle. Like, in fact, that's why this movie came out. So, you know, we're, for the Patreon show, we're doing catch me if you can. Right. Which was another DiCaprio movie. Yep. He shot that after this. So you're like, well, how did they, why did they come out the same month? It doesn't make any sense, which you're right. It doesn't make any sense. What happened was uh, Merrimax held this back for a, a year, basically, where they fought about editing. Seriously? They fought a about year? cuts, more or less. I can't yeah. imagine that, being a director, and you know your thing it's is... not been... as a director. You're Martin Scors- fucking Scorsese. Yeah, I know. I can't imagine that being... Well, but anybody who's, crea- who's made a creative work that you're really proud of, and it sits there for a year while you waited for it to come out? Well, you're not sitting there. You're constantly in the editing room. This yeah. was a process. So yeah. they would create an edit, give it to Harvey. Harvey would, you know, want, no, I want it. Ugh. I want this kind of. Now, some of Harvey notes I don't necessarily disagree with. For instance, the narration of this movie is completely worthless. It's not needed. It makes the film bloated. It's annoying. And it's also, it's preachy. I actually didn't mind it that much. Oh. I minded it more in Casino. Oh, come Scor- on. Scorsese's really famous for doing these narrations. I know it is. But, the, I, the, but I had no problem with the this The casino one. narration is informative. This is just bloat. You think so? Oh, yeah. He's like, I, there's nothing he says in the narration that's valuable. Yeah. It's all like kind of like how he feels or big sweeping like epic declarations that really have no real value. It's almost like a political speech. Yeah, but I kind of like it because it sort of zooms you out. This whole movie is very claustrophobic. Even when you're outside, you're still really claustrophobic in this little space. But you're also getting, you know, it's it's in the backdrop of the Civil War. It's like the the microcosm of the Civil War in the city and the, and the macrocosm of the Civil War in the country. So I feel like it zooms you out a little bit. I I, I, don't, I, I don't need sweeping epic decorations in, yeah. in my movies. I don't need I don't need you to hold my hand or give me these like wild uh or not wild but these very basic almost a greeting card thoughts. It, it, I just felt as pointless. Also made the movie okay. longer than it needed to be. You take out that narration, the movie does trim down. However, a lot of Harvey's other notes I would disagree with. You know, I just you know he wanted this to be a commercialized movie and, and this sure. really isn't. Now this movie made no. a shitload of money. And at the end of the day, Scorsese ruled the world because. I know he just didn't win any Oscars, but it did double, basically double its budget, more or less. And it had a, it's had a huge run on cable. Oh, yeah. It's had a big run uh, on DVD sales back then. Uh, so this movie certainly made us money back. It was very profitable for Merrimax. But there was a time when this movie was made 
when Merrimax was nervous about their future as a studio, because this went so mm-hmm. far. Remember, Merrimax makes smaller independent films. Sure. And, you know, what happened with, like, you know, UA with Heaven's Gate, United Artists, is a smooth studio, in, in, and uh, they had a lot of hits. And then yeah. uh, they made a movie called Heaven's Gate, which is a, a huge disaster, made, lost a shitload of money, and it destroyed, bankrupted the studio. Right. One movie can sink. Yeah, and this is a hundred million dollar movie. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's a hundred million dollar movie. Which for so Merrimax is it's big. And yeah, that's not what the budget was. They're not that, they're six years removed from fiction. From Pulp Fiction, basically. Well, yeah, but you have Shakespeare. I mean, they, they were okay, making they, good right. hunting. I mean, yeah, you know, all right. You know, made, made more money than, than Pulp Fiction did. Uh, but, but still, they're going through rapid expansion at that time, too. They are, but things are still, you know, it's still a thing where if you have X amount budgeted and it goes almost double that, uh, and, you know, you, where do you pull that money from? Right. You know, you, just, yeah. you, can't, you can't run your business like that. Yeah. So, you know, Scorsese, obviously, is an artist. He's not going to care about the business side of it. But at, at some point, Harvey Weinstein's like, we need to rein this in. And it's hard to rein him in if he's in he's fucking in Rome. <laughs> yes. And, you know, you're getting, da- you know, you're not getting dailies right away. Right. They had to, like, ship him over. And it, 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 it created kind of a clusterfuck. Um, but it, it did, obviously, it made a great movie. Now, my other, so I, have, I do have a lot of issues with this movie. The narration's one. A bigger issue might be Cameron Diaz. Um, I'm fine but, with her. Doesn't bother me. She's probably she's not the perfect actress for this. She's, for this role. she's not a good choice at all. I mean, she's not Irish. Like she doesn't look Irish. I think she's fine. A B. She's not a very good actress. She's fine. In I this. think she's fine. She's fine. I, people really hate her. In this. They do. I don't feel that way. And I can understand why they hate her because you've got like monumental performances from some of the other actors in this film. So, you know, it, you kind of think like this would almost be perfect if if she were up to the task, if she were as good as they are. But she's fine. She doesn't so, distract, detract from the movie for me. My pushback is, all right, you don't want Cameron Diaz in this film. Fine. Well, then who do you cast? Uh, and then usually you get a lot of blank stares. And the reason why, too, is, A, there aren't a ton of Irish actresses or people that we might perceive in our mind to look Irish. Right. Uh, in, in especially at that time. So, all right, we'll have Amy Adams. Well, great. Well, no one knew who the fuck no Amy Adams she, was yeah, she because didn't. she made her real big role. Her first real role was Catch Me If Ken. Right. Which hadn't come out yet. Um, now I would have personally, ideally, maybe you would have casted someone like Kate Blanchett. I know she's not Irish, but she's a much better actress. She is. Um, and, and someone like that, a, a more dramatic actress would have been, a, I think a better choice. Um, I think someone like Nicole Kidman's too old. Too old. So you have to have someone younger. Uh, you know, Keira Knightley is too young. She was like 15 or 16 when this kid, like, you know, oh, wow. when, yeah. when it was yeah, shooting, yeah. Like, it doesn't work. Yeah. So, you, you know, you have to get, it has to be kind of the right. And there weren't, it was a weird time. I think because of the independent film rise, there weren't a ton of actresses you would have top line a movie like this yeah and bizarrely she, and even uh diaz is a little bit older for the film too i think she's somewhere around 30 years old she's a couple years older than uh than um than uh dicaprio is yes. at the time so you kind of have to play her younger too it, you're right that is complicated you have to have someone who's going to look young enough to be to with pull that part off yeah yeah uh you know and uh, you know like, like i said it's tough you know you had you know, obviously people like the meryl streeps and people like that are, are far too old yeah and you have other one uh, other women that were kind of up and coming that just either weren't on the radar yet or were just too young um but i i, I said ideally you probably cast Kate blanchett someone like that who's a, a more talented actress i don't think diaz ruins the movie i don't think so but i don't think she makes it any better and probably only detracts i just don't think you need you need someone who's i mean it'd be good but i don't think you need someone who's amazing in that role because you just have like I said, you just have tremendous acting talent all the way around her. I think they felt like they needed to have her because they needed to sell the movie. You they, think that's you know, what it was? You don't think DiCaprio would have DiCaprio done that? is a big name coming off Titanic. Yeah. And the beach, which didn't yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so yeah. I mean we're dealing yeah. with someone who's not he's yeah. not DiCaprio like we know him now. Dan DeLewis doesn't really open films. He doesn't. 
No, he's known as uh, when I say open films, what I mean, but yeah, in case you don't know, is uh, someone who can kind of like, have a big opening weekend. Sure, just based on his name alone. Daniel Lewis, the maybe the greatest you know actor Ugh. of our lifetime. I'm not at all besmirching his talent, but he just doesn't open films. No, so I can see you that. know, if you're making a hundred million dollar movie, you need to have someone who's gonna. And Liam Neeson, but he's got such a small role. They didn't even really. I mean, they yeah. didn't really. He's you know barely yeah. in the credits. So, barely. Yeah. Know, if you look at how the movie was top lined in the movie posters and how it was marketed. It was, you know, DiCaprio, DiCaprio. Day Lewis, and DS. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think they, I mean, that's why they hired her. That's why they cast her because she can, she can put asses in seats, especially back then. You're coming off, you know, the mask and, and, uh, she did Charlie's Angels with like something about Mary, probably, right around there. Right? Something about Mary. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're talking right, about, you know, all those, I mean, yeah. she's done, you know, at that point, it was peak DS, probably. Yeah. So, oh, I think I just done, no, was going to do Vanilla Sky or just done Vanilla Sky. So she was in some sure. pretty bigger, you know, bigger movies. Um, by the way, that's her best performance is a Vanilla Sky. Um, so yeah, so the, you know the the financials, the business side of it did creep in, but Scorsese does a good job keeping most of it out. But Diaz, in my opinion, doesn't ruin the movie, but certainly doesn't help the narration. I don't love. I also, and this is a controversial take. Potentially, you might disagree, and and if you do, I, I we can have a discussion. I'm not going to necessarily argue with you though, because it, it's I don't I I could have done with less Civil War stuff. I think I understand the overall point is to show that even our battles at the end of the day are small in scope. It, it, yeah. And, and yeah. it's all, you know, right. And you know, look at, I mean, look at the fucking pandemic. We've gone through it, right? Like, you know, you, you have these plans, you have things that are very important to you and then the world screeches to a halt and nothing, none of it matters. So that's a really, I feel a valid point, but so much, you know, the end of the movie when it's caught, you know, it's a climax into that. All you care, all the movie has taught us to care about is build a butcher and, uh, and you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Right. Yeah. Uh, Amsterdam. Amsterdam. You know, it's all you care about is that that battle. So then to detract it away from Civil War or these riots that of people you don't know, don't care about, it's not great storytelling. But yeah, I don't know. It's the specter that overshadows everything. That's the other thing. And, I, and as I talked about before, you it's it's the zoom in, zoom out. Um, you know, you've got shots like through the catacombs in the beginning, which we can talk about some of those. But there's a lot of claustrophobia here and really like, you know microscoping down on on small relationships and small battles and neighborhoods and and i think it's just this this leviathan kind of in the background that's always like knocking on your door and i also needed it i think you needed it to re, not to remind you but to put it put the race relations in context with the bigger uh like the bigger country struggles so I don't, I don't mind it there. And then in the end end battle, I think I think it's more like, yeah, there's this giant now swatting you away. You know what I mean? Like you mean not this, all this that we're focusing on, all this, you know, greed and anger and vengeance and, and justification for these these little battles, small murders are nothing compared to this giant Levi- Leviathan that's waiting in the background. So that same Leviathan <sighs> is also slapping the audience down too because, mm. you know, we're all the movie has taught us basically or shown us to care about this. It's true. So then they tell me it doesn't matter at the end is a bit of a, it's pissing in my face. I don't know. I think, I think we're caring about it all the way through too, because you've got the riots, you've got, you know, you need to show the cycle of life too. That's another one of my favorite shots is the cycle of, of life of, of these immigrants coming off the boats. Yes. Who get fed, who get shit on, who then sign up for war. And then it even shows the caskets, right? And it I think it's over to the caskets. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is that one shot? I couldn't remember. It a seemed like one. A that yeah. is an amazing shot. It is. So I think you, I, I think, I think the reminder is all the way through. It's like just waiting for you all the way through right there in the background. The other element, you know, to the side of being pro the draft riot stuff in the movie or, or uh, as much of it is, you know, this is when New York really changed. It, it stopped yeah. being about these small little neighborhoods. Stop 
being about these small, I mean, neighborhoods are obviously still neighborhoods in New York, but it stopped being kind of a small city and became a major, it became New York, you know, as we know it now is this major, biggest, most powerful city in the world, potentially, you know, one of, yeah. uh, you know, certainly the top three. Uh, and, you know, obviously when this movie's taking place, it's not. When this movie's taking place, it's a small, you know, yeah. uh, city that's, you know, run, that allows people like Bill the Butcher or even like a Boss Tweed to, to run amok. Uh, where a larger city obviously would would never allow. Yeah, that. if you got the infrastructure in place, it's not going to happen. This is like the last moments of New York kind of still being a large town in a way, right? Uh, and before it becomes a major me- metropolitan city. Uh, so I guess to that end, and that's obviously the story that Scorsese is trying to tell here. Um, Scorsese found this book in nineteen seventies, uh, and the book is called I think it's called Gangs. It might be called Gangs something. In New York. Yeah, something like that. Uh, published by Herbert like Asbury, nineteen twenty-seven or something. Um, older, older book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Written in the twenties, right? Yeah. And, and Scorsese found it uh, in, in the seventies, and then he tried for years to get this made. I remember him trying to get this made uh, in the nineties, and uh, because he couldn't shoot in New York, the budget was just way out of out of range, and no. You know, he, you know, you think about Warren Scorsese, you think about, you know, Raging Bull and Goodfellas and even Casino to some extent, sure. but you now think of his, his earlier stuff, you know, but you also have like, uh, you know, uh, King of Comedy, which is a great, amazing movie, but none of those movies, even like Goodfellas didn't make much money. Goodfellas made 40 million. He doesn't make as much money as you think he would. No. For like classics, a classic director. Yeah. But his, you know, he's not Spielberg. No, exactly. That's, that's the comp. It's like, and it's not of, a knock. No, it's not. I'm just saying, you know, from a, a dollars and cents, if you're running a movie studio, right. You'd much rather have Steven Spielberg, Spielberg right. in your car, you know, in your back pocket than Martin Scorsese because you're in the business of making money. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Scorsese movies don't typically lose money. Um, but even when he makes something like Cape Fear, like Cape Fear was a big hit for him. Yeah, that's that's a it's a fucking Spielberg. I don't say bomb, but it's a Spielberg like miss. Was it like that? What, do you know? Remember oh, what it was like two hundred million or something? But this because this oh Cape Fear. Yeah, it was Cape a Fear than? probably made like seventy or eighty. Oh, that's it. I mean, it's also nineteen ninety, but right. you know, but oh no, no, Cape Fear never. You know, I think this was the first movie of his to even cross a hundred. Um, <sighs> that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, but he's but it's not you know. Now, now it's, things have changed a little bit. You know, he does The Departed. He does, uh, you know, Shutter Island. You know, teaming up uh, Wolf of Wall Street. You know, teaming up with DiCaprio. Well, De Niro, De Niro is a was a, is is hopefully maybe, but certainly was a great actor, the best actor of his generation, sure. right? Uh, but he had a hard time being bankable, like really bankable. Like his movie, like he didn't put asses in seats. DiCaprio is, except for a couple, a couple very small misses. He always put asses in seats. He even does it for fucking Tarantino. Yeah. Tarantino movies don't necessarily always make a ton of money either. Then he does, you know, works with, you know, now you got Django and you got, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. once upon yeah. a time in Hollywood, he's movies making shitload of money. Right. Um, but yeah, something about DiCaprio and Scorsese is really the perfect marriage because you have the great actor who who can provide a box office. Who's going to bring the great funds. director who right. really can't, but has the vision. Yep. That's a better marriage than Scorsese and De Niro. That makes sense. Yeah. I think you're right with that. Yeah. So what do you love about this movie? Oh my God. I mean, so the shots, right? So you got the cat. I know you've mentioned this before, but the catacomb shots to, to open this thing, right? The Where whole you got, thing, the whole 20 minutes, the first 20 minutes is, of the movie are, is breathtaking. It is shocking and breathtaking, right? Cause you you do have the, you know, how um, claustrophobic it is yeah. going through there as a priest is walking through. Or and you're seeing is every, and the cool thing is you're seeing a lot of the characters that you're going to you meet are. later on. Yeah. No, this open is right up there with, uh, uh, what's the Tarantino movie we covered? Um, Oh, uh, Inglorious uh, Bastards. Yes. I mean, yeah. we're talking like top, top five top, top. open. Yep. It's amazing. And you're just seeing, it's these caves and he's walking through it and you're right. You're seeing all these people and he's collecting these bodies because he's about to go out to war. Yes. And then, and the other cool thing is in that building, 
at, at different points, you see the skeletal structure of the building, too, where there's all these balconies and staircases and the it's way really that people are living. It's so weird yeah. and interesting. It's like this ant farm almost. Yes. And then he opens the door, and it's blistering white. It's incredible. It's incredible. incredible. And to go from that darkness. I saw this in the theaters. Did you see it in the theaters? No. I saw it in the theaters, no. and I remember when he kicks the door open, and I, I think I gasped. Yeah, uh, and then the next, you know, obviously that fights in the snow, which is a brilliant, like, amazingly choreographed, oh, brutal, yeah. scary fight. Uh, now, of course, it's our introduction to one of the greatest characters in film history. Oh my god, yeah. Um, but before we get to that, too, in the colors of them too, in their oh, uniforms, in the blue, the blue, and, and, yeah. it's like almost like a silky satiny blue. It's shi- it shines right at you. I don't you. know if I've ever seen a blue quite like me that, neither. Right? I was wondering how they did that. It's a weird blue. Yeah, and it's a. Uh, it's a perfect blue. It shimmers. Movie. It's really... It's very cold. And it, you spot it from a mile away, which is exactly what you want in a movie. You know, you see it from, a, from afar, and it has power. It has clout. It does. Yeah. And you're right. And then Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, from the moment you see him, this guy is just... It is one of the best performances ever, ever made. I told you I just saw um, Phantom Thread. Yes. And I, I love that movie. I have not seen it. I know you have. Uh, I love that movie, and he is equal to the fucking task in that one too. He is. I gotta see it. Amazing yeah, in that, that film. That's on my short list. Daniel, he. It's a misspelling. Best actor of our lifetime. I mean, he is so good. You have a lot of good ones. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm a De Niro guy first, but um, don't get me wrong. I love De Niro, but yeah. I just don't think anybody can play. He's just so wide. His Young range Pacino is so big. Is, is, is right. I guess it's not my lifetime though. So if you're saying my lifetime, I can't yeah. count Pacino. Um, I I would. Yeah, it's, it's um. He's got so much range. I mean, I, you know, now we're just comparing. Yeah, you know, yeah. Babe Ruth versus but he, you know. He, this is this is one of the best characters that's ever been written, that's ever been on screen, and it's a fucking shame he doesn't win an, an Oscar for this. It's it's crazy to me. So Adrian Brody wins for The Pianist, which is a good movie, right? And he's good in it, but he is nowhere but, near okay, the caliber. So let's have that discussion, okay? Because uh, I want to. Um, so I don't feel that he is a best actor. He should not be the best actor. Who? He should have been best. Lewis. He should. Be, he should. No, no. He should have been a supporting actor. Oh well, that's the thing. That's the other He's question. Not the protagonist. It's, the protagonist is DiCaprio. He's not the lead. Thing. DiCaprio tough. is forcing the action. That DiCaprio is the lead of this movie. There's no question. If this movie is made ten years later, Daniel Lewis is up for a supporting actor nomination. But DiCaprio didn't have the name recognition yet. Yeah. And he he didn't even get nominated for this. So that's bullshit too. It's because. And I was what I, I figured that he got some taken away from because of Daniel Daniel Day Lewis. So I consider Daniel Lewis to be a supporting actor. So with that with that in mind, he I mean he is. But okay, okay, okay. how we consider storytelling, he yeah. really is. Um, I have my top five uh, best supporting actors ever. Okay. Okay. Number five. I mean, I know one. Uh, Number go five. Ahead. Go ahead. Christoph go ahead. Waltz. Oh Where's yeah. Best? Yeah yeah. I mean, I'm not going to argue with any of these. By the no, way, no, no, you won't. Number four, Daniel Lewis, Gangster New York. Okay. Okay. By the way, any of these, I don't say you could put any of these in one. Right. They're all just right. Uh, number three, I have Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. Yeah. Uh, number two, Heath Ledger, Dark Knight. Yep. And number one is Robert Forrester. Jeff of Ryan. course. Yeah. Uh, now, though, now you could flip those around. You might say, for, you, Chris, you have Forrester up too high. I probably do. I'm a Forrester fanboy for that role. I love Max Cherry. Um, but you think about some of those characters, you know, uh, you know, Joker and, you know, Joe Pesci and Goodfellas and uh, as Tommy and, you know, obviously Dan Lewis. And, yeah. And yeah. These yeah. are some most iconic characters of our life and if you want to make the case that hannibal lecter is a supporting actor you could make that case that's true too because he's not driving the action either and he's right in that list that too definition. obviously right there yes but what, you know this is incredible david lewis in this movie is beyond excellent it, it's beyond hall of famer so hall of famer you have you know and i love eddie murray i love dave winfield i yeah, love yeah yeah uh you know tom glavin yeah this is that other level 
of Greg Maddox, Babe Ruth. We're talking the greatest of the greatest of like, you know, you can, you, if you told me right now, it's the best form you've ever seen in the movie. I would not argue with you. Like, I, I can't. That's fair. It's hard to pick. Like he is, he just nails this part the entire way through. He's fierce and vulnerable in spots and spiteful and revengeful. He's just, and he's, he has humor, like a biting, like crazy chaotic humor. He's very funny. Yeah. He is the comic relief of this movie. Yeah. As well as being the, the menace. Yeah. It, it, it is. And you're right. Exactly. Right. He's vulnerable. Like that scene when, uh, he's he goes shot. upstairs and he's been, after he's been shot with yeah. and, uh, DiCaprio just finished, I guess, fucking Cameron Diaz. <laughs> right. He's like watching him sleep um, because he loves him. He loves the boy. He does. And um, he's, he's very open. He's open as that, as that person can be. Pats him on the head. It, 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 it is. He's terrifying. You also, in a bizarre way, kind of root for him because he's so charismatic. Yeah. Um, it is, it is, you know, I hate this expression, but the kids say like, oh, or whatever. Maybe, I guess, probably soccer moms say now. Like, oh, this is everything. It's, you know, like when they see a tweet, sure. they like whatever. Yeah. This role actually is everything. Yeah, it's got it all. This is everything. It really does. I love, too, that, like, you don't, he does not seem like the guy, a kind of guy you would ever touch. Like, did anybody shake his hand? That that might have happened, but like I a would be a couple women like the maybe a couple the women were, were on him. But even then, he he feels like annoyed by them. Yeah, like, like, you can tell he just doesn't want to be. Like, yeah, so for him to make physical contact with with uh, yes. with DiCaprio, it's it's just it's a lot. I mean, I can't say enough praise about his performance. It's 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 fun to watch. The so we way. see him uh, kill obviously a show of people in the beginning of the movie. But then he doesn't kill anyone again he until doesn't. Brandon Gleason, who, by the way, is also fantastic. He's, He's very good. Yeah. Uh, and the way he kills him is brutal. And you, you almost forget because it's been so long. You, know, you never forget the beginning because the beginning is so iconic. But right. in a way, you kind of, he almost lulls you back a little bit because you haven't really seen him do anything. You've actually seen him get shot. You've seen him be a victim uh, since we've seen him kill anybody. And then to have him kill him like that, you're like, oh, shit, that's right. This guy is yeah, fucking out of nowhere. brutal. It's like a snake bite, too. It's like yes. you walk by and snake, exactly. you weren't expecting yep. it. It's crazy. Um, yeah, he's so let's say he's supporting actor. Here's who he's up against. Chris Cooper in Adaption who wins. It's Chris Cooper's only Oscar win. Right. Ed Harris in The Hours. Paul Newman in Road to Perdition. Yeah. John C. Riley in Chicago. Uh, in Chicago, not in this. Yes. He's very good in this, but he's, he's, he's very good in he's, this. He's in Chicago. He's very good in that too. And then we'll talk about it uh, on, on uh, Patreon show, but Christopher Walken and Catch Ken. He is better than Newman is in... Um, in Daniel Road to Perdition. is, is yeah. better than all of those yeah. that I've seen. I have not seen Adaption. I've... I, I saw the hours I, I, a long time sucked. ago. I agree. And the other ones, uh, Walken, Riley, and Newman are all fantastic. Uh, Walken, and, Walken and Newman are in particular. You haven't two. seen Chicago though, right? No, I haven't. John Chicago is very good. Is he really good? He's very good in that okay. movie. Yeah. Um, and that's not a movie where everyone's good and he actually really, he does really stand out. But I mean, I would put But him, Lewis is better. Yeah. I, Newman and Walken are better than Riley. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. Riley's very good. Yeah. Newman and Walken are great. Yeah. So that's like a Tom Glavin, right? That's yeah. like that level. But then Dave Lewis, I mean, Just, you know, they're talking great, man. You know, you know, Peter Martinez. I mean, right. that's like what we're dealing with here. Um, so it was, it was kind of a stacked year if you get some of those names. That like, is stacked. You know, that's pretty stacked. Right. And I have not seen Adaption. So maybe, and I'm sure Cooper's actually, Cooper's so good in the town. Cooper never, ever, ever is. is yeah, he's, is, he's a great actor. He's always too. good. He's yeah. Or great. But you're right. Daniel Day-Lewis is another level. And I think in general, his performances are another level. Like he just, he has that, that top gear. Uh, I, I can't wait for you to see Phantom. I hope you really like it as much as I do. I will. I promise. I'll, I'm trying to see his Oscar movies now yeah, before we do our Oscar yeah. show in a couple of weeks. So I'm trying to, to I'm actually going to watch another one tonight. 
Um, I'm trying to knock those out first. Uh, but then once the Oscars are over, the first movie on my list is Phantom Thread. That, that's a big miss by me not to see that. Um, so, well, I was I was sensitive to it because I haven't really appreciated um, Anderson's films like the last few. They're I not haven't amazing. loved them either. And and that's another one like there will be blood. I don't really. It's not so, my. I, I think he's love, great. He's amazing. But I don't really connect with that movie. I don't love character studies a ton. Um, some some work obviously, but most time I get I'm kind of like eh, I'm more of a story guy. Um, you know when I, I when I like listen to songs, I love a good harmony. When yeah, I yeah, watch yeah, a movie, yeah. I like a good story. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but Daniel Lewis, that movie, I mean, Daniel Lewis, I mean, he's, he's so good. It's, uh, I was looking through his filmography, you know, for this show. I'm like, man, I'm kind of bummed out. He just didn't, he didn't work enough. He didn't, but he really valued his personal time. I knew he's a carpenter on his off time. It probably made him a better actor. Probably. You know what I mean? When you can really focus on one thing singularly, it's going to make you better. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's why this podcast is so good because I have nothing else to do. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> else to do but eat your gummies. Baseball's back, baby! Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, wait, tomorrow. T- tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow. Oh, believe me, if it was today, you'd know. All um, right. I mean, uh, we could we could probably talk to about I, him I, for I an have hour. I have more to say about it. I have okay, more. Go ahead. I, want. I mean, Liam Neeson. Oh, um, yes. It's a small role. I know he kind of gets caught in these like mental role. I mean, it happens in Star Wars as well, uh, and you know, a few other movies, even Batman Begins to some extent. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, he's so re- good at it. a bigger reason. Yeah, he's fucking really good at it. He's yeah. doing better. And he, I think the priest character is great. And he really it take it would take a real in the, to use this movie's parlance. It would take a, someone with a lot of sand to be able to stand up to you know be equals with the, to, to yes. You know what I mean? In the beginning of the movie, like well, and he bested uh, in earlier in life. He bested him. And you have to believe that this guy could do that. Yes. And I believe that Neeson could do that. A week or after, you'd be like, "There's no fucking yeah, there's way no anyone way. can stop it." No one stops. About? Yeah. No one's no one stands up to him. Um, uh, and he needed to be memorable. Yes. Um, and he was like, you, he's he's great at that. Couldn't they've been casted better? Uh, DiCaprio. Very, 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 very good. I agree. Not great. I think it's not his best performance, but he is. He's very, very good. There's a lot of you see a lot of um, the strands of DNA of the departed in his role here. Yeah. He's, especially when he's in that second act when he's playing kind of both sides. Or really playing one size, you know, he kind of joins forces with with he does. Butcher, um, and uh, you see, you see him do the same role a lot, in my opinion, a lot better in Departed. I think you're right. Uh, I don't. He's more tortured in in Departed, and that's a big reason why this movie isn't a top five for me. Um, I I agree. I, this movie's great. I'm, I'm I'm I know I'm being difficult here. I, I always say when we cover the great directors, you got to give it a little bit. We got to be I, more. Yeah. I, I'm really I'm. It's you know got like, a whole time. You know, like we covered Moonstruck, and I, 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 you know, I was like, oh, it was a, it was a pleasant surprise. I really enjoyed that. And I know we, I come off more positive, but with these movies, especially these movies that have been such a big part of our lives, I think it's more interesting, and I enjoy talking about some of the small maybe yeah. flaws. Um, so DiCaprio is uh, his his storyline. I don't always buy. Okay, the first act that I like when he's kind of. Oh, obviously the first act encompasses the beginning part, which is amazing. Sure. And then he kind of comes out of hell right out of the orphanage. And yeah. he's just kind of finding his way. Fine. I buy that. Yes. I don't believe he's this friendly with Bill the Butcher. Second. That would be really hard to do, but and why wait? Well, I think, you know, part of it is if you've been stewing on it for 16, 16- say, say you're in an orphanage sure, and you've got nothing to look forward to. It's gotta be super bleak there. It's, well, it was more of a prison. More than of a prison. Else. Right. And he gets extended time there because he acts out and tries to escape. Yep. He probably has, I can understand if you would have a singular mindset, like you would, you have 16 years to plot how you're going to make it work. And maybe, you know, enough. I mean, you were so, so young when you saw him, but maybe, you know, enough where you need to get close to him in order to, to, to strike him. 
So let's say that's true. Let's say he's playing yeah. set. Yeah. His plan is kind of lame. So he just goes to this like lame kind of party where they have like a, uh, the guy's going to drink a, a alcohol that has fire in it. And he's just going to walk up and sh- his whole thing is just, he's about to walk up there and shoot him. He's going to walk not, up and throw a knife to kill oh, throw him. A knife, I'm sorry. Yeah, throw the knife. yeah, yeah. That's not that exciting. Well, I. Th- it's not like you, that. There's a more dramatic. If your whole thing is a big dramatic thing. That really would have been a pretty lousy payoff. That's how the movie ended. And why would you use a gun? Maybe because, you know, Bill the Butcher uses a knife and he wants to do the same way that, you know, his, his dad was killed. His dad was killed, which I get that. He's fine, but there's more dramatic ways to. You could have you killed him at that boxing match in front of all those people. You could have slit his throat. He probably, he probably doesn't think that he can, he can match him hand to hand, though. But you surprise attack him. There's so many times you're so close to him during that whole second act. You could have done. You could have got him. And then they yeah. go through the trouble of branding him. Okay, fine. But then the branding's gone by the end of the third act. It is sort of gone. Yeah. I, I, yeah you don't, really don't see brand it. him and do something different. Like you brand him. That's he should be scarred the, entire, be scarred. the entirety. That it should be very visible. If you're going to do that major element of the of the film, I'm going to you know he says I'm going to you know you'll never people will rec- you know will yeah they'll know see yeah. that it, I spared you whatever right. But the, but by the end of the movie, there's not even scarring there anymore. Yeah, that was a little what strange. What the fuck's going on? That's that's a miss on Scorsese. The, that role in that second and third act, it's very muddy. It's it's not a great, and that's a screenwriter. And I know this went through a lot of permeations. It went through a bunch of drafts. Scorsese was was he didn't he was never writing credit, um, but he was you know basically overseeing all of it, almost like a showrunner for a TV show. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't I don't I just don't. That character is not not great. Mm. It's not a good character. It's, it's, it's not well-written. It's very by the book. You kind of know how it's all going to resolve as far as he's concerned. It's, it's, really, it's really elementary, and I think it detracts from the movie. I think so. I think you need a more normal person with more normal motivation than, you know, when you're up against something like someone like Billy the Butcher who's going to take over the screen and is going to take over, like, the, you know, the, the story a bit. And, and so I, I, didn't have a problem with, I didn't have a problem with him as a character. I also don't buy that all these Irish people are going to follow him. Um, but there's the lineage aspect too. And then he stands up. I kind of, but I mean, does everyone remember him? I just, it just seemed like a weird. Well, you had the reputational element too of, um, Gleason's character. Yeah. You know, kind of saying, I'll, I'll, I'll come with you. Um, but I didn't see this guy as like a charismatic, like the Bill of Butcher, I believe people would like follow behind cause he's scary and he's charismatic and, and, yeah. he, and he, he's someone I believe that people would like fight for and like, just, he's would be so magnetic. The Caprio character was kind of boring he was drab. I, he, he, he just didn't do it. And I believe me, Leonardo Carpa, great actor, probably the best. We talked about it on the Larry Fun show. He took the crown of best young actor from Edward Norton. Yeah. And he ran with it. And he's the best actor working today. Probably. Leonardo was the best actor in, in the business. Today. But at this point in his career, he's, he is a very good actor in a role that's almost lousy. I don't think just it's that, that bad. Role, just that role. Just that singular element sure. of that role. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think it's that bad. I don't think it's as bad as you think. Um, I think you needed someone who's less char- less charismatic, less crazy, because you need you also needed to. Yeah, I guess you sort of root for Bill a little bit, but not really. Like you don't want you don't want evil to triumph. You want good to triumph. So I think you needed a more down to earth character, someone with uh, a singular you know motivation of revenge. Uh, every time I watch this movie, though, the movie does at times. I don't say grind to a halt, but it does definitely show its gears a bit when Bill's not on the screen. Oh, you are crushing this movie i don't think so at all i think there, it's there i think are, it's wonderful this to look movie at is amazing but there are some real cracks to the foundation like where where I does it go to a lot of them the, so like in the part where there's the, the pickpocket scene where or when she's um when she's going to rob like the upper class people and mm-hmm. uh, you think that's that's a tough one or their interactions or their time together or I even i don't buy it you don't buy it i don't buy that 
I I like her being a thief, I guess, and going up into town. I think I think you get I think you found out pretty quick. But also, let's find let's. I wasn't alive in eighteen sixty four. Maybe you wouldn't. Right. Um. Whatever. Uh. But then, like, why be seen with this like ragamuffin? Why you wouldn't walk the streets with him? Like she's walking down a street with him. He looks like fucking shit. And your whole thing is image. Sure. And you're a beautiful girl. People are gonna re- recognize you. You would try to be as discreet as possible. You wouldn't walk around the homeless guy. That's a bad look. Yeah, but they had pretty dumb. They had some interaction before that, though, that built some sexual tension. I think she just wanted to bang him. I'm sure she did, but yeah. you would, but you're, if you're a professional thief, you can bang him when you're off hours. Yeah. Bang him back in the five points. You wouldn't. You would be like, hey, listen, I'll talk to you later. I can't be seen with you here. I, I mean, that's just that's that's a fact. Maybe I don't know. And they're, I mean, well, you wouldn't because if one rich person sees you talking to this bum dick, what the fuck? Why is this beautiful woman talking to this bum? What's going on here? It just it doesn't add up. And and so there are some things. Every scene that he's in, and it's not DiCaprio's fault. It's, it's just they wanted to have right a normal every. I say every man, but a normal. They try to make this weird character in every man, and it doesn't always work. And DiCaprio is still. It's a lot of movie to put on his shoulders, and it I don't is. know if he's ready yet. Titanic is on his shoulders, but it's kind of not because the ship is almost a star. That's true, right? Yeah, you got so much special effects, and in you're thing. not. There's not a Danny Lewis on the other side of you. It's Billy Zane who fucking you know was terrible in that movie. Um, so in this case, though, it's Daniel Day Lewis who's giving uh, you know, a, a lifetime performance, performance right. like, like, you know, yeah. 16 RBI performance and you're, you know, you're okay. Okay. So I started by saying that he was very, very, very good. And you agreed. Good. Not very good. Not great. But now you're, now you're like knocking him down a couple of His pegs. performance is very good. Not it great. Is. His role is not good or it's not ah. good. It's, it's averagey. Okay. I wouldn't go that far. I think it's a good role. Um, it's not the best role because you know, you have a, you have a once in a lifetime character on the other side of him. Um, no, when I say role, I mean, how it's written. Yeah, so I agree. I he, and say that, yeah, I just, I'm just saying. Oh, actually, because on the other side, I don't, actually, I don't know. Is Bill the Butcher like a great role? Oh my god, it is. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I. I it's so hard for me to to, to take Dandos out of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like how I'll much say, of it does say, he like, make? You know, it? I'm trying to think who else would. Okay, well, I guess. Well, I know. Actually, he was supposed to be uh, supposed to be De Niro. He had a because the movie kept getting held up. It was supposed to be. De Niro. I didn't know and that. It was supposed to be Willem Dafoe, who also once again. I think I would buy Dafoe in that role more than De Niro, actually. I kind of agree. Yeah. Because, like... It just doesn't fit De Niro. How great is fucking... I, okay, yeah, I mean, I'm probably being a little too hard on DiCaprio. I'll... I'll, I'll okay. But, but but you're being extra harsh because of the stakes of the entire movie. Scorsese and DiCaprio, yeah, right. two of the great, most talented yeah. people in yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I just don't love how that rolls right. Okay. Uh, Fine. How fair. great is fucking... I know I keep, I keep going back and talk about Daniel Lewis all day. How great <laughs> is his accent in a fucking movie? Oh, it's phenomenal. It's... It, it, it's... I know... No one knows if people sounded back then, so you kind of you're kind of guessing... Um, but obviously, you know, obviously, no, Diddy Lewis studies more than anybody else in the world yes. and his roles. And Scorsese has been working this for thir- for almost thirty years, right? Um, and, and there's like the written aspect to it. Like they use sometimes they would write in you know, phonetically how it would right. sound. So they did have some stuff to go from. And historians um, say that I guess people back then would have sounded like like a 1950s Brooklyn cabbie. And we have some, you know, we, TV shows. We kind of know what that sure. sounds like. But the crispness and the anger behind it and how consistent Danny Lewis accent is is I don't know if I've ever seen anything like it he also articulates like and booms too like he has a very kind of bellowy voice with it as well um and some very strong diction which the um, diction is unparalleled yeah it's like it's it it carries it's like you know when he's talking is whoopsie daisy the greatest line reading in film history <laughs> yes. it's right there right 
What's better than that? <laughs> is, way, is this a great what's role? Is this when he's throwing the knife, right? Yeah. Is yeah, this yeah, a yeah. great role or is he just... No, I think it's a great role. And you have a you know a generational talent. I think you've got both. I think, right. I think we lucked out here. Right. William Defoe would have been good, but there's no way he he, he doesn't stack up. William Defoe's a great actor. Yeah. I mean, check out The Florida Project if you want to see him kind I of play more one. dial. Oh, check it out. Oh. It'd be really, really cool. good. Yeah, cool, a couple cool, years ago. Cool. Saw cool. New Hampshire Film Festival. Very good. Uh, it's, it's a more muted role. But it just shows you how he can be like, you know, we see him as Spider-Man. He's like crazy. Yes. But check out Flower Party. You want to see his his fucking range. And Willem Dafoe can do anything. Yeah. But, you know, but it's, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, this is right. and credits to Scorsese. I know I'm knocking Scorsese a lot here. And this, I love this movie. It's a, my 35th favorite movie ever. <laughs> it was great. Uh, can't say enough good things about it. I really can't. I know I'm knocking it, but it, it really is a great movie. Uh, but Scorsese, A++ for casting tape. Yes. Um, and getting him to do it because he worked with the Age of Innocence, so they already had a relationship that's, that's there. That's right, too. Um, I haven't seen that one. Is I haven't it, either. Is it good? I've oh, not you don't seen know. it. You don't know, you don't know. All right. It's, uh, that time period stuff turns me I off. I don't like but it either. you know either. what? I'm thinking like, I was thinking today, I'm like, what the fuck's wrong with me? Scorsese, de Goose. Shut the fuck up, Chris. Yeah, just watch, just watch it. Just watch it. I gotta see that, too. Get out of your ass. I gotta see it, too. I honestly... I, I know I said earlier, I, I, I shit on Degas for not working enough. I haven't seen enough of his movies. That's not me. I, and I, I've seen most of them, but there's a couple I've missed, but why miss any of them? Yeah, might what as well What's wrong not. with me? Yeah. I mean, uh, especially now he's retired. That's it. I know. That's we all got, we got. got time seem now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, all right. So, uh, so this is, uh, uh, um, oh, an A. Oh, I mean, top, this will be in my top five. This nudges I'm not out. I'm going to give it an A. Plus. I'm going to give it an A. This, this fine. A, high, whatever, high A, a 95, a 96. You're going to give it an A plus, I imagine. Uh, I don't know, 96, 97. I don't know. Somewhere up there. It's, it's up there. It's, it's definitely What in the do top you five. like better in this movie that we've covered? Pulp Fiction. Uh, yeah, Pulp Fiction, Road to Perdition. You like Road to Perdition uh, more? Yeah. So this would not have won Best Picture for you then? <sighs> That's what I'm saying. It's an it's a, it's a un... I like that movie it's more. It's a better movie year. You know what sucks? Chicago won. <laughs> I know, it does suck. I want to talk about Catch If You Can. Uh, maybe we can talk more about Oscars uh, on the Patreon show, but... Uh, Another, no, I mean, there's some really good movies. So those here. two, Jackie Brown, um, are three, and oh, then okay. there's one more in there too uh, that I'm spacing. Okay, uh, this just knocks so this out. Goodwill Hunting um, goes from fifth to six. Oh, I know it's sad. Goodwill Hunting, it's not sad. It's a, it's a great bad take by you. No, it's bullshit. Um, but the other thing, so we we did mention Gleason, who's phenomenal in this. Also, Gary Lewis is very good in this, uh, as well as John C. Riley does a great job. Lewis is the is the um, the bald. Guy that, that he's uh, great. That, that, he's really good in this. That gets fish hooked. He's uh, good because you know, and to show how good he is, think about the beginning of the movie. When you first see him, he gives a very warm smile. He seems he very kindly. Yeah. That's not who this guy is. No. And uh, but what good range for this guy for Gary Lewis to be this kindly you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's not easy to do to like have one side of your character in a you know five second glance and then turn face on it. But that five second glance has to hold you the whole movie. And Riley does too. He kind of, he does kind, it the same thing. He well, says later on, like, Oh, it's your uncle, whatever. Yeah. You know, but I, I, I he was, yeah, he didn't feel like that, but, but he did feel a lot warmer. To he does. Harry the Cameron's first time you kid. see him, another yes. warm. Yeah. 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 Great job by Scorsese in that scene. Uh, to kind of get it from a child's perspective. Yeah. Um, that catacomb scene is, is brilliant. It's a, it's a, this is a really great movie. I, I'm not going to too much. This is a great movie. Um, anything else with it? Mm. I think that's it. I think so. Uh, you should definitely see it if you haven't. Seen, I mean, I'm sure everybody's seen it, but you should see it if you haven't. Let's talk about some bearded men. Okay. Uh, yeah. Bearded men podcast. Uh, if you enjoy hearing from people with too much useless knowledge, misguided pop culture commentary, and a strange obsession with facial hair, the bearded men podcast is for you. Join these underachievers from Southern Vermont as they continue their journey this spring to discover the most overrated movie of all time. Oh, I wonder what that's going to be. 
They talk about uh, they talk about Ghostbusters as underrated. They they bring it up. They, they have a whole episode. Takes. This is a movie that if you guys uh, enjoy our show, go check it out. Right. Um, talk about movies. Uh, you know, several Ghostbusters. They talk about some of the movies we haven't covered. Uh, this is something you definitely want to check out. You can listen to the Bearded Men podcast on Spotify. I mean, there's a range of stuff that they talk about too. They talk about like state mottos, like all sorts of trivia and fun stuff. Yeah, it's as not well. just movies. No, yeah, it's not yeah, just movies, yeah. but a lot of pop culture stuff. A lot of pop culture stuff. Uh, I definitely, I would recommend. This is how I did it. My early entry was uh, I checked out the movie stuff because that's what I like. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was not disappointed. Uh, listen to Bearded Men podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever great shows are given away for free. New episodes air every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, so you can check it out. They also have a website, uh, beardedmenradio.com, and they have a Facebook page as well, uh, facebook.com uh, slash beardedmenradio. Check them out. Uh, you can't go wrong. If you enjoy a show like ours, you're definitely going to enjoy Bearded Men. Right. If you like pop culture stuff, you're going to like them, too. They talk about movies. It's, it's, what's better than that? And There's other stuff as well. Right. Just like us. Just like us. Check them out. Bearded Men Podcast. So this is Lose Yourself by Eminem from the movie Eight Mile, uh, which he starred in. And I am, I think this is an awesome song. It's definitely been played a shit ton. So it's hard to have the same perspective as like I had, I don't know, the first 20 years ago yeah. I heard it. But I still listen back and I'm like, this is a great song. Yes, it is. Um, this is Eminem. Eminem is one of the best rappers that's ever lived. Like he has phenomenal flow. Absolutely. And the other great thing about him is he also has producers around him that that like do some really great stuff with the music yeah. as well. Really, from, really from day one, even like Real Slim City was like yep. really well produced. It is really well produced, and I, I mean, this song is well. We'll get into that a little bit. Like I'm going to talk about the construction a little bit because there's there's some really cool components, but but it's like it's such a simple it's such a simple song, but it just hits so well. You hear the piano, the do 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 do. You hear that, you know exactly what it is. Oh, of course, it's like so iconic. Yes, it is. Um, so. Like I said, eight mile soundtrack, and you know it. The song is really cool too because it it sums up the character's journey a bit. So it's like it's that, but that's really hard to do in a rap too to tell the story of the movie that you're in as well. And he does. It's not like you know a lot of times I'll listen to musical theater and I'll be like, that's the dumbest lyrics that they're just trying to shoehorn in to give us the story of what's going. No, his flow is amazing. Like these rhymes are amazing. The lyrics are amazing. He does a great job with that. Um, this was his first number one. Spent. 13 weeks at number one, uh, hit number one in 24 countries, won an Academy Award for an Oscar, which he, which he did not. He was not there for. Uh, he won the yeah. Oscar. He didn't think he was going to win. He didn't even perform. So usually at the Oscars, all the nominated songs perform. Right. right. So he didn't think he was going to win. So he didn't even perform. He wasn't there. Uh, he wins the Oscar. Uh, and then uh, flash forward to what, two years ago, uh, I believe uh, he did perform the song finally at the Oscars. I did see that. I haven't heard that performance. I wanted to go and check that out on YouTube sometime. Can I watch the Oscars? Yeah, I don't care about the Oscars. We talk about the we just fuck. We're talking about the Oscars right now. But I just you can't say that, Matt. But I just we just we're talking about the Oscars right yeah, now. But I, say that, I, I don't hate want, that. I don't want. Attitude. I don't want the fucking. I don't watch the Grammys either. And you're like, oh well, that's different. The Grammys suck. The Grammys do. The Grammys are. But well, we've proven this show. The Grammys are often flawed. Well, don't you think that the fucking Oscars are flawed too? No. Imagine think, what's going to happen this year. It's uh, got to be ugly. I don't know. I don't know. We'll talk about the Oscars show, I guess. But I, I don't know if it is that ugly. Yeah, it's also the highest ranked uh, rap song in Rolling Stone's all-time 500 list. It hits 166. What? Whoa. 
Yeah. The highest rap song in Rolling Stones top 500 is 166. Yeah, I know. It seems like a... It does seem pretty... It's pretty low, right? Pretty low, but still, it's the highest ranked. Okay. Certified Diamond. This thing's probably sold 13 to 15 million copies, and it's one of the top 10 most spun um, songs on Spotify. So, like, monster hit, monster hit, monster hit. So, I wanted to talk about... One of the things that I love so much about Eminem is his rhythmic choice. Like, he... He's just a master rhythmically. And I'm going to show you some of him and his verses, but I'm also going to show you like another song too that really illustrates it. He does one of the most impressive rap songs I've ever heard in my entire life. We'll get, we'll get to it in a second. But here, like listen to this rhythm in, I think this is the, like the second half of the first verse. He like, he sort of gets um, stuck, but in a good way in the same rhythmic flow right over and over right over and over and over and it just it like it zooms you right in to follow him right along mm-hmm. like you can almost instantly sing along with him because you know the rhythm he just he just loves to like like to you know to get kind of stuck in it and then here's sort of the reverse rhythm of that that he does later on in the song he just sort of gets stuck in that in that 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 was a triplet feel but he's just so good at that where he'll just he'll just like riff on this same rhythmic thing and it's so inviting like it, it, i i just can't stop listening to it and it makes it easy to rap alongside him too um and so in that first in that first uh like listen to the lyrics he's like um, oh, there goes rabbit. He choked. He's so mad, but he won't give up that easy. No, he won't have it. He knows his whole back is these ropes that don't matter. He's dope. He knows that like, it's just that, 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 you know, response that, uh, that, that rap, that flow that just, that just locks you in the mo one of the, I'd say, I'd say the most innovative rap song I've ever heard. And it probably won't hit you the same way that it hit me is a song called underground. Do you remember it? I don't know. This is off, um, one of the albums, this album from 2008. I can't remember. All right, so I'm going to play that for you again, and I'm just gonna, but I want to tell you what's happening before I play it again. So the beginning section is in five. It's one, two, three, one, two, one, two, one, two, uh, one, two, one, two, three. But the cool thing is, is the accent is on these beats. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, uh. And so he, what he does is he used that same accent to go into the four pattern later on. So he's rapping over four, four times. So he's changing time signatures on us, but the pulse is the same. Like, so you, you don't, you don't even, you don't recognize that he's doing that. So here, I'll count it for you. you get one, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, one, two. You'll see this pulse stay the same. But the under the under like subdivision goes into four. It's the most innovative thing I've ever I've ever heard. It's like to to subdivide that that rhythm into this weird odd time signature only to bring it back to four. It's I've I'd never I've never seen anybody or heard anybody do anything like that. And the first time I heard it, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like you know, I'd I'd never heard anything like that before. It's it's amazing. So I love our good friend Marshall Mathers. 
Yes, this is a good song. Uh, I like the song a lot. Uh, I I really like the lyrics of it. So I'm a lyrics guy. That at the the last I don't know uh, what do you call that? The last uh, like the last uh, last um, verse. Like, yeah, or yeah. the last yeah the stanza of yeah stanza. Yeah. I guess is the word I'm looking for uh, of this song. It's really I know it's about this movie, uh, but it really is almost kind of works for everybody. Like we've all been in a situation where maybe we didn't feel like, Oh, this is a really important moment in our lives. Sure. We really got to kind of, you know, take the bull by the horns kind of thing, especially if you're younger. Uh, and it's a really like motivational song. Like how do you not get like revved up for the, like, this is a really powerful song, um, that can definitely, you know, kind of get the pulse going and kind of make you feel like, all right, I got I got a shot at this. Maybe if you don't, it has like the pop feel of into club, you know, the 50 cents song. Mm-hmm. But that 50 Cent song isn't anywhere near as deep as this one is, but it still has that same fun vibe to it. Like, it's fun to listen to, but this has just got a lot of depth in the lyrics. I liked this song a lot when it came out, um, uh, but I didn't have the album. So, like, I, I listened to Eminem a lot, his first two albums. Yeah. Like, a ton. I just got kind of burned out. Yeah. And, um, and then I think I just got, like, aged out of it. Sure. A little bit. Like, I think it's a little bit younger. I've tried to listen to some of his later stuff, and... It just doesn't grab me the same way. And maybe he's gotten older too. And uh, I don't know. It might, it might have been my taste change. I don't know. I, I still think he's really talented. Don't get me wrong. He's super talented. Um, but he just, like he, he, I didn't grow with him. Like, I, you know, I listened to it at a point in my life, you know, 99, whatever, 2000, 2001. I was, you know, I really liked his stuff. Yeah. But then, uh, you know, after that, I kind of, it kind of just drifted away from it. I think you mature out of it. I mean, even though his, his, uh, his lyrics have a lot of depth and a lot of creativity to it, I still think, like, thematically, it's not the most deep. Right. It's like more, like, oh, I was listening to some of his earlier stuff for prep for the show. I'm like, oh, this is really funny. There's some funny lines in here. Like, it is oh, funny. Is, like, yeah. The real Slim Shady is a funny song. Like, but like, I can't imagine, like, wanting to, you know, I'm 41 now. Like, am I going to go want to, like, you know, yeah. is that something I'm going to listen to on my own? I will say though, like something like this song, like Lose Yourself, uh, it's his best song, in my opinion. And Probably. um I I think it's I think it ages the best. Oh, it does. Uh, it's also like wow, like this song came out and maybe I'm showing my age here a little bit, but I try to listen to like some more modern music. But I feel like this song, like you could tell me the song came out like last week and it Yeah, be- it's timeless. I think part of it is because of how sparse it is. Uh so oh, okay. you don't sense. get like you don't yeah. it doesn't age, you know, you're not listening to eighty yeah. cents, you're not you're not, you know. Uh, the recording technique doesn't matter. It it sounds totally contemporary. It, it really does, doesn't it? Like this. Yeah, it's so sparse. Um, yeah, you could make this today and it would sound very normal. Yeah, I think his life is really interesting. Uh, you know how he had a drug problem. Uh, you know, in uh, about you know, ten years ago or so. Sure. Uh, and he, you know, he battled that, and um, it's just it's obviously psychological stuff and like and bad family things, and yeah. And he just seems like even he he always seems kind of haunted by stuff, which I think makes him to my. I think a really compelling figure. Like, sure. Like I would, like you told me like, Oh, he's going to go sit down and do an interview. Like, Oh, I'd probably go like watch that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, I'm interested in what he has to say. I think he's incredibly talented. I don't necessarily make a beeline to listen to all of his music, but he has, he puts a new album out. I almost always give it a spin. Like I always like, go to it once. Um, uh, I, I think he's really interesting. I root for him. Like, I think he's a guy I kind of like, just like, I like, um, I just think his sound for some reason, just, it just, eventually I got kind of tired of it. Yep. But that doesn't mean it's bad. No. In fact, um, I think it's quite good. It's sort of aggressive and immature, I would say. There's like more... So I I think he's super talented as a rapper, but I like... Um, and I think his lyrics are super innovative, but I don't... I like... There are other other rappers that I enjoy much better who maybe don't have the same level of flow that he has, but 
I like their imagery better. Or I like what they're talking about better. Yeah, I mean, it's more like what they're talking about. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and just and yeah, I guess kind of yeah, just 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 some point, just it's just not for me. And, it's and, and it's funny, but it's biting humor. It's not like it's not it's not happy humor. What he's doing. I, 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 I'm, I'm fine no, I know. I but it, that. No, but I do actually. I find myself more drawn to uplifting rap you're than the, I do. No, this is, this is uplifting comedy. Like you're not the uplifting wrong rap. co-host. No, um, <laughs> uplifting rap. Yeah, I like more more positive rap. The negative rap. Like I've never been a big gangster rap type of person. I've never oh, really. Oh, I that guess stuff. not. No, I'm not really. Yeah. I guess, some, yeah, like the ones I like, Jurassic Five, Black Alicious. Like those those uh, those groups are a lot more positive. Yeah. yeah. And fun. Whereas he's he's darker. He's he's sarcastic and biting, and and it's funny, but it's not. It's also, it's just yeah, it's darker. I don't mind the the. I actually enjoy that. I was like, I was driving him. He's like, he's shitting on Will Smith. Like, I was like, that's kind of funny. But that's like, funny. You know, like, uh, but like, he has like, I love Tom Green. Tom Green's a great example. Like, I love the Tom Green show when it came out. Really? Um, oh, that was really funny. I think I thought he was like really, really, really interesting. I still think he's he's funny. Um, but like, I'm, I'm not gonna go like watch the Tom Green show now. I just heard him on uh, Rogan or something the other day, or not? Sorry, a couple weeks ago. Oh, really? Um, yeah, he's he's on like a journey by himself and his dog. He's like going out in his Winnebago and doing a lot of drone footage and oh. podcasting and things by himself huh. in um, I think like the Southwest. He's an interesting guy. He is an interesting guy. Yeah. And he's had a pretty amazing life too. I mean, you think bizarre of, life. Yeah. Think about his, you know, comedy and then his show and, and then sick married Drew Barrymore. Drew, right. Had cancer, cancer, cancer and it's a weird existence. Yeah. He's a little manic when I hear I, it makes sense. His brain's going really fast, but yeah. uh, when he talks, I'd rather, I wish he were a little, He's probably wiser now, but I wish he was a little more calm, wiser. It would he'd be. I kind of wish he'd write a book, but like not a oh, funny yeah. book. Just yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. write a, like a book, like a, right. like a book about his life, like how he really like no, no, you know. He'd be a lot easier to read, I think. Than I think so too. To That's right. yeah, I, I, I agree. I'd like to see him write a book. Yeah, not as crazy as like uh, is um, some of the other. Oh, who's I think? Oh, who's a rapper who's crazy? Who's just married to? Who just divorced from? Uh, oh, gotta give me something. Yeah, I'm not gonna give you anything. We'll just move on. Okay. Yeah. Good contribution to the show. Uh, <laughs> this is a good. So this is gonna this is gonna make you top five. No, probably not. For I, I said I don't know if I'm doing the top five music, but like, I I because uh, it's hard for me to, to rank the songs. But um, because you made a good point off the top, you like the song. The song we just heard so much, so much. Try to judge it. Um, I, I'll say this about this song: there are a few songs I heard the first time that I enjoyed more than this one. Yeah, I like. Oh, it like Take you. on Me is a song I'd rather hear. Yep. Now, and I've heard that a million times. But I'll tell you right now. I don't know if I know I was just a little boy when I heard it, but like, I don't, the first time I heard take on me, I can't imagine I enjoyed it more than I first time I heard this song. This song is really good. It is really good. And yeah. Eminem's really talented. I wish he'd write a book too. Another guy to read a book from. Yeah. He'd be interesting. I'd like to hear about his life. Um, did you think eight mile was any good? I, I haven't, haven't seen it. Seen it. The fuck? Yeah, I haven't seen it. So I was, I saw this kind of burnt out with Eminem. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny because, like, if you're listening, it's probably like, well, why aren't you guys aren't covering 8 Mile? Like, what happened was this movie opened really strong. It had a $50 million opening weekend. Holy which shit. crazy. Was that ba- that was on because of his name, right? That, that's because yeah, he was had a lot, And the song didn't hurt. Song. You know, a big song. And, you know, got, Curtis Hansen directed it. And then, uh, you know, uh, you know, Kim Basinger had come off an Oscar win a few years earlier. Mm. And, uh, you know, it had, it had, Brittany Murphy was a, a kind of a cult. Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah, it had, sure. had kind of a... Um, and it just marketed really well. They did a great job with it. Yeah. And, uh, open big, obviously we talked about it on uh, one of the other shows we've done recently where, uh, audiences, a uh, movie that are themed to younger people open w- longer. If you're an adult movie, it takes longer to get sure. an audience. Right. And this is all teenagers went and saw it. Yep. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm, I'm I, it's got, only got good buzz. I, 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 no idea. Uh, but, uh, it made $50 million and then it immediately, I say immediately, but it really had a pretty big drop off. Huh. And then by the time, so that was first week of November. 
by the week we're in, it was it wasn't even making a million dollars. It was really? way at the top ten. So it wasn't even it wasn't even in the rankings for us to. I wouldn't have honestly. I wouldn't have chosen anyway because catching Buchanan games yeah, more compelling yeah, to me. Right. Um. But uh. But maybe we will run into it. I'd love to. Right week. Yeah. I would love to. That yeah. would be an ideal movie to cover. Right. For sure. Okay. Cool. I liked it, but I'm not, I'm wondering how well it aged. I think I actually saw it in the theater. Oh, all right. Um, but uh, I don't remember. I don't, I'm not sure if I've seen it since then. I yeah. think I remember liking it at the time. All right, shall we move on? Personal stories. Personal stories. Okay, so uh, dark times for me. Um, December for 2002, uh, one of the worst nights of my life. Oh, like, no. Sometime in this month. Um, well, this has to do with me being really fucked up and sick. I told you, like, I, um, I'm driving around with my buddy Rob, and uh, this was in December. This was before December. Um, driving my buddy Rob, and I start to get tunnel vision, and I have a hard time breathing, and he takes me to the hospital, and I'm like, you know, saying goodbye to people. I'm thinking I'm going to die. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Are you going to die? No, I thought I was going to die. Do you think in hindsight, maybe it was a little dramatic or you think that was really, no, I could not breathe. dude. Yeah. Could not breathe. And I was passing out. Uh, yeah, I thought I was dead. Um, several points in my life. So, uh, it's suffocation is like the worst, most scary thing. Mm -hmm. So I, so anyway, after that, um, they diagnosed me with pericarditis, which is um, when you have an enlarged heart. It wasn't that. Then they said, oh, you probably had acid reflux. And I was like, what the fuck? They ended up being right. It was just I had enough acid reflux over a long amount of time that it burned the shit out of my lungs at night, making it hard for me to breathe, giving me tremendous bloat, um, feeling like there was a you know terrible weight on my chest, and also feeling like my solar plexus, someone had punched me really hard in the solar plexus. So that's all that was. And I think, um, I actually do think I was having oxygen problems because of the burning of my lungs. Um, so I was not, you know, I was not getting enough oxygen mm-hmm. and, and thus the tunnel vision and the passing out and stuff. And that stayed with me for a long time. Um, until, so I started working for a chiropractor at the fall of this year. Okay. Yeah. I think I remember you talking about that. Yeah. Um, episode. yeah, right. And what ended up happening was like, Matt, we got to get you right. Like we got to figure this out. Um, and I never like missed work, but there would be days I would be at work and I was like out, like out of my head. Um, I'm sure I, you know, held back. Okay. But I was in a lot of pain and, uh, I'm sure I held it together. Okay. But they, um, it's going to sound ridiculous, but I got, um, tested by a person who subscribed supplements and homeopathic remedy. I was at like wit's end too. I'd been to hospitals right, and to right. doctors. No one yeah. had been able to figure anything out. Um, you know, done all sorts of tests, EKGs and scans and all sorts. Of, couldn't figure anything out. Um, and I was like, you know, at the end, um, didn't know what to do. So that night though, after I got, that was December that night after I got tested and like, okay, we'll fix you. There's going to be this, but you have to order it. It'll come to you. Whatever. It took like a week or two weeks to get to me. That night was the worst night. I go home and, and I'm not, I don't know why I, maybe it was something sometimes, you know, with what I was eating, it would, it would matter. But I remember going to bed and waking up. I had a hard time sleeping, waking up in the middle of the night. And I was like, almost like I, I just couldn't breathe. I was like really a mess. And, um, I never want to alarm. This happened. Like I said, multiple times in my life. I never want to alarm the person that I'm with. So I tend to like go off in my own, my own play like i go off on my own mm-hmm. when this was happening more recently in like 2014 um i would leave in the middle of the night barbara and I, we were living in new market and that that stone building mm-hmm. i would leave in the middle of the night and walk the streets of new market by myself just sort of meditating while walking because i just didn't want to bother barbara and i didn't want to just lay there and suffer mm-hmm. um this i would listen to music and and just walk 
Um, so that night, that's what I did. That, that was actually my first experience doing it. I was like, I don't know what to do. So I'm only, I'm just going to move. Um, but I live, I'm living in new market or sorry, in new fields at this time. Oh, okay. On 108, like there's nowhere to, there's really, nowhere to really walk. walk. It's, a, it's not a busy road, but it's not, not a walking there's area. There's sidewalks. Yeah. Plus it's all dark. There aren't a lot of street lights. Not, not really safe to walk. Not there. safe. No. It's all windy. Yeah. Um, so I just did laps in the driveway for hours and hours, just trying to like meditate, just trying to tire myself out enough that I would just imagine your neighbors. Well, they didn't see, um, no, their neighbors were pretty far away. Oh, okay. So they wouldn't have seen me. Um, I think my girlfriend at the time eventually like realized what was happening and, and, and like came out. Yeah. She came out and we talked a little bit and I was just like, Hey, I'm just, you know, I'm in rough shape. So I'm just going to keep doing laps in my fucking driveway. And I did it for hours that night. Um, until I eventually got tired enough and, and went to bed and, um, woke up the next day, but freaked out, uh, talked to the, the person who tested me the day before and they're like, it's going to be fine. You know, just go through this process. Sure enough, um, the supplements and the homeopathic remedies came, um, the following week and I started taking it within two weeks. I could breathe. Oh, nice. Um, and the, um, and like the sort of the tunnel vision and me passing out thing went away. Two weeks after that, the pain in my solar plexus went away and I was healed a month. Wow. I was fucked for a year and within a month I was month. right again. Yeah. Wow. And I, I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not, Do you still s- take those same remedies nope. today. Nope. 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 And nope. I don't even know why that works because actually, cause I know, you know, I've gone through this three times in my life now. So now I, now I've really got a handle on it. Um, body does not process carbohydrates does not part process fiber. I lived a mostly very, uh, well, I lived mostly a vegetarian lifestyle for a lot of my life. Didn't eat a lot of meat. And I think it's a hard, it's hard thing for people to digest. And it was just a really hard for me to digest. Like if you think about fiber, it goes right through. You can't digest it. Uh, and for me in particular, and I would always have like, you know, taught to eat a lot of fiber. So I'd eat a lot of fiber growing, growing, uh, growing up and through my adult life. And like I said, um, if you eat vegetarian lifestyle, you're going to eat a lot of fibers, a lot of vegetables. I sure. love vegetables too. I love them. But I just think for me, it was, it's particularly hard. And then what would happen is my system would, just really try to digest it and would fight so hard. The stomach would work so hard and you know, you'd get acid that would spit up and go through, you know, into your throat. And when you're sleeping, you'd breathe it in and you know, you got hydrochloric acid that you're breathing in at night and it just burns the shit out of your lungs. So I know now how to counter that. Like I don't eat, um, I don't eat that stuff anymore, but I also sleep at a little bit of a, um, a diagonal too, oh, okay. like a few degrees diagonal. Um, and yeah, and, and I've done some other things, but I, I don't I, like now I know, but at the time I didn't know. And I didn't realize I was going to have to go through it a couple more times in my life for like a year at a time. Um, yeah, very dark time, but, oh, uh, but the other end of it was very positive. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, I'm glad you got it fixed. The home, homeopathic. Remedies. Well, that time. Yeah. But I don't even know why that worked. Yeah, it's funny. It doesn't make maybe sense. Maybe neutralize some the acid or something. Could have been. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the supplements too. Maybe it wasn't the homeopathic remedy. Could have been the right supplements sure. at the time too. Maybe it helped me digest. There's probably right, yeah. digestive enzymes right, in there. I bet it. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. I even changed my diet a little bit too. Mm, um, right. Right. You weren't eating whatever was really maybe? causing the problems. Yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, it came back, but uh, I figured it out now. So I'm good. All right. Good. Uh, I'm glad you're alive. Um, so, uh, this was the, this was the week I, uh, I've done with college finally. Um, and, uh, I was moving in with my grandparents, uh, this week. So I, uh, moving in with your grandparents. Yeah. So my grandparents lived in Saugus. Um, and I, I, they had a a basement apartment that they let me stay and rent free, which is very kind of them. 
Um, so I thought I'd talk. I thought I'd talk about my grandfather. Uh, my my grandpa. My grandpa Red. Uh, I know him as Papa, uh, but his name is Red. Uh, and he's the greatest. He's my um. He's my hero. Uh, I don't know anyone. Uh, he's he's John Wayne uh, in my life. Uh, yeah. He's just this amazing, amazing guy. So I thought I'd tell you a quick uh, overview of his life a little bit until until I moved in because then. Then I move in with him, and then we have obviously stories we can tell at that point. But um, so uh, my grandfather uh, fought in uh, World War II. I'm sure like a lot of people's grandfathers, he was in Battle of the Bold, so he's a, he's a war hero. Jeez. Uh, and uh, it was he saw some shit, um, and it gave him PTSD. I think uh, for my grandma says really the rest of his life he just had nightmares and, and, yeah. and really uh, you, you know for a lot of these guys it was rough coming home. Um, my grandfather uh, was the, like the kindest most the friendliest guy you ever meet like he's the kind of guy you walk around but he goes red like still happy to see him like <laughs> he's one of those guys that is like uh just people especially guys but everyone just really kind of gravitates to him but in a way it's very casual and normal he wasn't like a leader but he's the kind of guy you'd always want kind of around like he's yeah. like the ultimate friend yeah um so he you know even though he's coming back from the war with all this heavy duty stuff he still was incredibly personal and and, and and got along with everybody but he did marry pretty young got married right away had kids right away and it sounds like things were really dysfunctional at this house um for uh really throughout the 50s for him uh i guess he was um they they during the korean war they wanted to have kind of his crew go back and he's the only one i guess that said no because he had these kids uh. he got married and i guess almost the entire crew got wiped out so he's like if i had gone i would have died um, so he lost some of his friends um, yeah. during that. And I think he, he has, I think some element of survivor skill, I imagine from that too. Um, but uh, he, you know, friendly guy, everyone loves him, but he got married probably too young, really dysfunctional house. Things were kind of, things were kind of fucked up and he had kids uh, and they had kids really young. So before you know it, he's got three grandkids in the house. He's, he's a 40 year old grand- grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And he's, you know, he's, that's literally what he was. And he's, uh, you know, Flash forward now, it's like 1962, and he's got these three grandkids, and uh, he's got the, you know, kids are kind of living with him. He still has, I think he has like a, a 14-year-old daughter, but then he's got, you know, just it's just, it's Kath. Right. But uh, he got divorced, uh, and he's uh, on his own, and um, um, and uh, he has a date coming up uh, with this single mom, who was uh, my nana, and it's my, and uh, that little girl was my mom. Um so uh, Red, my he's not really my grandfather by oh, blood, yeah, um, right? But uh, you know, he never treated me any different. And, uh, in my mind, he's he's the only grand. Like my other, my other, my father's father died uh, very young. So your grandmother's a widow at the time. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, my father's father. Your this father's is father. this is my right, right. mother's. I see. Yeah. Um. Um. I guess, Did she get divorced as well? Uh, my. Okay, so she being. Sorry, your grandma, your uh, grandmother married Red. So yes. your grandmother was a single mom. Yes, did she get divorced? She got right. So she so okay. got had my mom young. I see. Right. So um, right. But I've never had. This is the only grandfather I ever had. My other grandfather died before I met him. He died in 1970. So I. This is the only. What do you keep tapping your phone? You drive me crazy. What, what's going on? <laughs> you keep tapping your phone. Oh, I'm just. Don't worry about it. It's, it's distracting. Um. Yeah, but you're still not telling me what you're, what's going on with your grandma. So you didn't meet your your grandmother's first husband. Right. Right. Was he, is he out of the picture? Out of the picture. He, okay. Yeah. I never met him. Um, so, um, uh, so my, uh, so my grandfather is going to go on this date with my, with my, my Nana. Yeah. Um, it's like second or third date and he's ironing his clothes downstairs and he's a firefighter, uh, in the area. What are you reading? You drive me crazy. You never Just do this. Chill out, dude. I don't want well, distracting. I'm, I'm tra- sorry. It's distracting. Well then what are you, what's, what's going on? What's happening? Nothing. Nothing's happening. Everything's fine. 
Okay. You don't usually, you're not usually that preoccupied with your phone. So something's up. Okay. Nothing's up. Okay. It's fine. I, I mean, I've got my airplane mode on, so I'm not getting. I know, which is weird. You don't usually, you don't usually read your phone while, while we do this. It's odd. I do read my phone when we do this. You mean when you're in your middle of your story? Yeah. Keep talking about red. Ah, I'm going to pass. Seriously? Yeah. I'm putting a pin in it. Come on. Nope. What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. I'm, I'm just good. barely moving my finger. I know, but it's annoying. It's distracting. And I called you out on it and you, and you got defensive. It's I too, did get defensive. No, I did not get weird. defensive. It's weird. It's weird. That I just touched the phone? Yeah, but well, you keep doing it. It keeps, it, keeps, it keeps illuminating. So it's very distracting. Oh, well, then I can just turn it like this. Does that make it better? Well, yeah, but I don't know why you didn't do that to begin with. You could have just asked that. Yeah. You, instead, you just attacked me for fucking touching the phone. I don't think it attacked you. I don't think I got defensive. All right. Do you want to talk about Red? I do. I I'd did. love to hear about, I'd love to hear about Red. Right, just keep right. talking. So he's uh, ironing his clothes, and uh, the three grandkids, one's a little baby, two other, like, toddlers that run around. Crazy. Cow sounds crazy. Yeah. And uh, they run down, and uh, my grandfather, by the way, I said, was a firefighter uh, in Saugus. Um, and uh, they run down. This is uh, Papa, you know, the upstairs is on fire. And he's like, <laughs> okay. What? Go, go, go. Yeah, this house sounds chaotic. So he's like, all right, I'll go check. Sure enough, he goes upstairs, and the entire second floor is, like, what the fuck? engulfed in flames. So he's scrambling to yeah. get these kids and uh he yells down and luckily there's a neighbor or someone walking by there's a guy he's like hey hey i need help and um he throws one grandkid down to the neighbor uh and throws the other one down he can't find the baby jesus checking the crib can't find the baby firefighter pulls up get there and uh they had to drag him out of the house his back was entirely engulfed in flames and they never found the baby and uh yeah he he and it's like an article i saw in the boston globe like hero grandfather um, saves grandkids, but he he didn't save one of them, and oh, it haunted man. him forever. I guess because he, my grandmother said he would, he sh- like he'd be sleeping, he'd wake up, he'd be like searching oh. the bed, like for, you know, just in, in his sleep, you know, just you know, amazing. Like, you, but so, I think when you obviously when you lose one, you don't think about the two you saved. You no, of course not. The, no. One, the one you lost, right. you know. And uh, so my grandmother, do we know how the fire started? Was it just this? So yeah, this. I mean families you know we we assume one of the kids might have knocked over a candle or something you know uh, the kids were too little like they were little like four or five like they wouldn't have it wasn't like someone was malicious or no and i don't think it was electrical it sounded like it might have been just the kids just horse playing i don't you know no one no one knows um and the kids were too little to explain it so um Ugh. yeah and like and the other thing is like why wasn't the baby in the crib but maybe right. maybe the kids saw the fire and got the baby out of the crib yeah and then you know and then they got thrown, you know, they, and then the baby crawled away. Like we don't, you know, maybe not try to go away, but yeah, they lost, they lost the Ugh. baby. So, um, so my grandmother now is like, all right, well, I'm dating this guy and we're not that serious. We're like three dates. <laughs> I don't know what I do. And I started, started visiting the hospital and that's kind of how they, they really kind of, they started kind of started the relationship in the hospital and they wound up, uh, after he got out, they wound up getting married and, uh, they immediately moved to Florida, which mm-hmm. my mom wasn't thrilled about. Cause my mom was like, well, my my grandparents, who I love, and my whole life is here in Massachusetts. Right. But they the doctors recommended back then to go to Florida because the uh, the heat, I guess, is good for burns. Okay. I don't know. Um, because they they claimed the humidity was good for him. his back. Meanwhile, was just uh, he was in the hospital for like months, and he didn't know if he wanted to be a firefighter anymore. And yeah. there's a lot of stuff. But eventually, after a year of Florida, both my grandmother and grandmother both decided they didn't like it. And they came back uh, to Saugus where uh, they lived, uh, and um. My grandfather just could, couldn't be a, a better guy. Um, and, you know, all these things that haunt, you know, he had this kind of difficult st- life, but he also had a great life. He, him and my Nana stayed together until, until, he, until he died. Uh, and uh, they had this great relationship. Um, 
they had a pretty big age difference. They were 12 years apart. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say for him to be in World War II, he would have been older because my grandfather was in, um, was in the Korean War, so he would have been younger. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you think about it, he had like, you know, he's already 40 by the time sure. he met my, and I talked to my Nana about it. Um, like when I started dating Laura, my wife, cause we were nine years apart. I was almost 40. I'm like, what was that like? It's like, it doesn't matter. Like no, if you, no, no. Yeah. as long as you guys kind of see the world the same way and love each other, yeah. that stuff. And she's right. She was absolutely right. But it was nice to have her to talk to because she went through this with, with, sure. with, with my grandfather, my grandfather. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, and then the entire time we were growing up, obviously I'm bringing up some kind of darker, these like things, but you know, he would go and go to, he had a boat. He goes going to the yacht club. Um, it was a small boat. Um, but he, all the guys, everyone he went, people couldn't have been happier to see him. And he wasn't a kind of like grandiose, like guy that he didn't talk a ton. He wasn't a big movie guy or music guy, but he was just friendly and like, he's just mm-hmm. warm. And like that warmth, yeah. just like carried you in. And, and he loved his, he loved his life. He loved his wife. He loved, he loved being a firefighter. He was a firefighter, uh, in, until the, the eighties, the early eighties. Uh, he, you know, he did it until he, you know, really couldn't do it anymore. And then he, uh, he helped my uncle start a welding company. Like mm. he, he, he was, he was kind of a guy's guy, but he wasn't macho about it. It was very unassuming and could just kind of guy get along with everybody. Um, and we'll talk more about him uh, and, uh, and you know, when I moved in and kind of him getting sicker and stuff uh, uh, when, I, when I went there. But uh, Sounds like he had a really full life, though. Yeah, really full life, really interesting life, really interesting guy. But he taught me a lot of like, all right, so when you think you do something great, like, you know, this guy fought in Battle of Bulls, never once bragged about it. In fact, it was kind of like <laughs> yes. he saved his grandkids in a fire. Like, but if you talk about these things, he, would, he didn't want to talk about it at all. Yeah. Like, he didn't want to talk about those things. He wanted to talk about like how I was doing in school or he wanted to talk about uh, you know, maybe teasing my Nana about something or he wanted to go get some beers at, at Knights of Columbus or at the VFW and go watch the Patriots game. Yeah. Like one of the coolest things to do was like, I was like 13. He brought me to the VFW and we're all sitting there uh, and I'm sitting there with these like World War II veterans and we're all watching the Patriots back when, you know, Hugh Millen, the past were terrible. But like, it was just, I'll never forget the experience. I had to talk to like six World War II veterans and they yeah, would talk yeah. about war stuff, but they would do it in a casual way. It wasn't like over the top, like dramatic saving Private Ryan. It was like, Oh, remember the food at that time? Remember how it was, how it smelt in Italy? Remember how, remember this? It wasn't like the battle stuff. It was more about like just the camaraderie. You hear about that like pro athletes, like they don't miss playing the game. They miss the team. The, yeah. Just like probably being in college, and, right. like for any of us. Like exactly. You don't miss, you miss like your group. You miss yeah, like yeah, your, yeah. you know. That makes sense. And um, it was cool that these old guys and just to be around them was like, these guys are heroes, but they don't look at themselves like that. But they, they really were. They saved the world. And yeah, uh, yeah my, and my grandfather comes home and he's for 30 years of firefighting, he's saving his town. It's like that's a fulfilling life. That guy saved a lot of people. Never once like bragged. Never once bragged about it. And I don't know that kind of fulfillment. Like I've, I've been thinking about it a lot. Like what am I going to do for work when I'm um, when I go back to work? Uh, what do I what do I even want to do? It's like I'd like to do something fulfilling. I'm not yeah, I'm yeah, a yeah. firefighter, but I, I'd like to do something fulfilling. And uh, and maybe you know I don't know. Even if I could save one one thousandth of the people my grandfather saved then i'd be doing pretty damn good that's know? true yeah so, yeah I, really great life hope i said we'll talk more about him but he's he's one of the most important greatest men I've ever met was red his real name or was that a no, nickname it, it was a nickname yeah he yeah. had red hair although when i knew him he only had gray hair but uh <laughs> yeah he had, i guess at one point he had red hair cool yes yeah no, sounds like great guy name. incredible guy can't can't beat out can't beat my can't beat my grandfather got very lucky there because i only got one so worked out uh headlines headlines okay you ready for this i thought it was me headlines today no it was me was it i yep. did it last time are you sure yep Good. um but you can we can we can go off we can duel a, we can duel i only have yeah why don't you yeah i, I joe strummer died uh this week 
in 2002. He's a singer and guitar player for The Clash. Yeah. Age 50, um, wow. had a heart defect. Young. Had a heart defect and uh, and had a heart attack and died. Um, would you think, like, you know, you think he would have had kind of a hard life. You you look at him and think about The Clash. Yeah. But it wasn't really, I don't think it, it wasn't really about that. It was more, he was born with it and just, you know, expired early. Wow. Not a big one clash of that guy. One of that lifestyle hurt. It probably does. Couldn't you have help. to expend a shit ton of energy and you're probably eating bad and whatever. Mm. Maybe he does some drugs. I don't know about that, yeah, but yeah. he didn't seem like that type of guy. Maybe seemed not a little then, bit yeah. more put together, but uh, yeah, clash is good. Not my, I mean, it's not really my thing. People, you know, for people to say the most important band in the world I or know. whatever, it's kind of like, seems like nah, I don't know. That's, yeah, that's I, a lot of, yeah. their songs are pretty good. Like, I, you know, London Calling's okay and Rock the Casbah is a good song and all that, but yeah, not my, not, not I my like them. Group. I don't love them. I appreciate them. Don't really like them. No. Wow. All right. Yeah. That's how I would say it. Uh, what do you got? Um, so I, the over, this is Christmas week, 2002, every front page of every single New York times, uh, in one way or another kind of captured how the growth and holiday sales were lowest in years. Hmm. Like consumers were really worried about the economy and the possible war. Oh, so yeah. things were just kind of like, there's a really, like, if you read the paper, you kind of get a tone, uh, been doing this show for a while now. And like the tone is very dire, you know, it's December, 2002. So you think, all right, well, they're away from nine 11, but we really weren't not that you know, far. You, yeah. You, you know, you, you I mean, remember, the tower's still we, smoldering. Yeah. And you're still like living in the shadow of it. Yeah. Like it really, if you're younger and maybe you don't remember, but it really did cast a, a, a incredibly large shadow. I'm, I wonder what this pandemic is going to, shadow this is going to cast but it, it just it just it felt very much like you were still in the thick of things the, yeah. the papers i read you almost felt like you could have been december of 2001 right yeah that seems right um so i wonder if that you know the specter of 9-11 really emboldens some of traditional enemies of the united states because at this time you have north korea expels the u.n weapons inspectors removes their like monitoring equipment and starts making nuclear war nuclear weapons again um so i wonder if they're like oh well the west is damaged so Hmm. time to go back i'm sure right i mean you're you're your weakest why don't why wouldn't your enemy start to exactly of course so that happened this week um yeah so this is a longer one here but this is a really interesting one for me uh jack whitaker andrew jack whitaker uh 55 years old Hmm. he's already worth 17 million dollars he's the president of a construction uh contracting firm in west virginia yeah so he's a pretty rich guy you know rich by our standards uh he wins the powerball oh that's right i think i saw this yeah 314 million (sighs) dollars okay but he chose the cap cash option, which most people do, of $113 million after taxes. So he walks away with a check after taxes, $113 million. There you go. Says, hey, I'm going to, um, you know, big beaming smile. Uh, I'm going to, you know, donate, you know, 10% of right away to free churches that are in my community. And yep. all, all I want to do is help people. And uh, that's not 100% really what happened. Oh, no. uh, his life immediately, almost immediately went to shit. Uh, his wife eventually left him. His granddaughter, his boyfriend died in a strange way that no one really ever really resolved, I guess. And then his, his own granddaughter, who he was going to leave everything to, died herself and oh. really ruined the guy uh, emotionally. Um, he, uh, he would, I guess he uh, at one point was uh, in a strip club and they robbed his car. But what they took was, I guess he walked around with a briefcase with half a million dollars cash what? in it. They asked him, like, why are you doing this? Why are you walking around with a million dollars cash? He's like, because I want to. And, um, but he just kept getting in these like running. I think they eventually recovered the money. Uh, but I also, I also think it happened again as well. Oh, it happened like two twice. Yeah. You're a mark now. He's in a small town, West Virginia. Of course. They know you carry this money around. Um, and he just kept having these horrible, his life just kept getting worse and worse. And for the last 15 years of his life, he kept telling anyone that would listen. I just wish I had torn the ticket up. Uh, he, he thinks the money did that. 
he 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 should have moved. Yeah, go somewhere else. He died um, uh, just this past July, uh, uh, seventy uh, what seventy seven or something, seventy five yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that, or seventy three. But yeah, he died. Uh, he had I guess he had a long illness uh, for the last few years. But um, yeah, if you if you search him, you'll find that he's given he's given a ton of interviews. Uh, and he's, and he said, even said, he's like, you know, I thought I'd be in better shape because I kind of already had some money and I figured that it wouldn't really change me, but he said it completely destroyed my life. To be honest, like if he has, he's worth 17 million, yeah, you don't need a hundred, like you can do anything you want to do with 17 million. You know what I mean? Like, do you, I, I would never, I don't care. Like the difference, if I had he, five his mindset million, was like, well, I want a plane now. Like there's always something you want. I don't know. For me, I'm like, if someone gave me 5 million I would be okay with not having 50 million. It's like, that's enough for but me to do But you say that, but you get 5 million, you want 50. I mean, I just, that, that's how I'm, capitalism works, though. N- that's not how capitalism works. I mean, that's how greed works. But I but, but I would never want to... Something would, drives something. Greed drives capitalism. Now, I'm not, greed isn't... Um, Michael, you know, uh, Michael Douglas here. Greed, greed isn't always bad. Oh, no, greed, I think... Greed is good, no, I, to some extent. That's Yeah, that's fine. I'm just saying, like, I don't want a, a house, like, five times the size of this house. Like, this is, house is too much for me. I wouldn't want that if I had $10 million. But maybe you want a second house in a different place. I guess. I just don't think. I just, I don't know who needs 113 million. I, I agree. Uh, I mean, to some extent, I mean, but I mean, if someone gave me a check with that, I'm not going to turn it down, but, well, he, but, no. he, but he, but he wishes he did. Yeah, he does. You know, and it sounds like it re- it's, you know, it, but maybe you're right. Cause like, look at these lottery winners. They, I've seen these documentaries and stuff like the lottery completely ruined. They might've been in, obviously this guy was already kind of rich, but you know, people have like poor people win the lottery and yeah. say, I wish I never won yeah. because like I was happy before and right. now my life is ruined. Like, and it says people just come out of the woodwork. You're constantly yeah. behind it for months. Like you, it just never ends. Yeah. And I think part of it too is because you won the lottery. You didn't earn it. You won it. I, yeah, think you feel, I think you feel like some pressure. Like maybe I should give it away. Like he did give a lot of his money away. I think you feel like, I think it's a different, like you fucks your brain up winning the lottery. I never played the lottery. I guess he only, I never play it. He only played if it was a hundred million or more. You know, and a lot of people do it. Just kind of, you know, the big jackpot. You hear about the news, whatever. I mean, you go play it. But I, I don't. I never play. I and don't get me wrong. If someone, if you, someone right now gave me a check for hundred million dollars, I take it. But um, sure. But I think I, I think winning it, not earning it, fucks your head up. Totally does. Yeah, I can see that as well. I I never play. I just I'm, I couldn't couldn't be bothered. It's also it's throwing money away. Yeah. I, don't I guess he, the, this guy he he spent a hundred dollars on tickets, uh, and he's like, oh, I'll buy a hundred dollars worth just as kind of a lark, you know, and he, and he win. And, Anyone. And, uh, but yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I don't do like, I know some people scratch it. I mean, the odds are on the back of the car and exactly. I love to gamble. Yeah. Somebody says you have a one in four shot, a one in three and a half shot. Well, that, what am I doing? Yeah. Right. Like, why would I want, you know, if you can go play a hand of blackjack, you, you're actually, the odds are in your favor. It's very small, but they're in your, you know, you're, you're, yeah. what happens is you, you just keep chasing people. Yeah. 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 You don't your, play it smart. Your mind right. fucks you more than the odds do. Right. But why am I going to play a game where my odds are winning or, or I'm going to, you know, or somebody's going to lose three or, times every time I win. Yeah. Or even like. Yeah, so even if it's one in three or one in four, it's usually like your ticket back. It's one in ten thousand for uh, you know a five thousand dollar prize. Yeah, right. So, big, right. So it's like, it's, what's, it, but the games are already rigged. Like, it's why so would I want to play that? I don't care. Like, yeah. I like to bet on sports. If you got, you know, in theory, you got. I know it's not exactly. No, but there's more uh, adrenaline 50/50. there and a fifty-fifty. Yeah, well, yeah, they, obviously the house takes a cup, but even if it's like fifty-five, forty-five, you know, you got a better chance. And you Way can also, you can pick which games you want. Right. You know, you have some more control. A choice. And a lot of it maybe is you could say, "Oh, Chris, you're just it's an illusion. It's not really control." But I feel like it is. With the scratching, you just like having some cork rip it off. Like there's no. It's just it's just a weird. It's a weird. And the scratch ticket thing is weird. I think the Powerball thing is weird. It's almost like instant gratification. It's very strange. Yeah. That well, that's it too. It's a dopamine hit of uh, of scratching it off. Uh, yeah, you know. And then right, I used to see people working in convenience stores. I'd see people come there in you the must morning, have seen it. just fucking in Gary's beverages, like scratching, scratching all, day. all day, right? And then come back to the counter and buy more. And I'm like, just buy fucking forty of them. Get the fuck out of here. Why do they like, do just that? Just go somewhere. 
What is that about? I think it gives them something to do. It's usually like older people who, it was a lot of older people who, they were in there buying alcohol as well too. Did you, so. you, and, and I mean, I'm being probably unfair here, but like, you know, you, exactly, give me a story. People buying lottery tickets, or scratch tickets, don't look like people who should be wasting money. No, no, they should, no. No, and it would be, like, they'll get 10 and scratch them right there, and then get 10 more and scratch them right there. And then, you know, they come back with the free ticket ones. Maybe that would happen. And then you'd have to fucking process them and it's give them a, a new ticket. <laughs> and sometimes they'd stand, like, right at the counter right, with me, right next to the cashier. Way. And I'm like, get the fuck out of my way. Like, don't do this here. Go away. They all do it right there. They're like, hang out. So they, annoying. They, it's they, like, they I don't want to talk to you. I think so. I think so. It's the loneliest thing, too. Well, yeah, because right? you get the same people every yeah. day. Every day buying oh. the alcohol. Oh, dude, I would get people. That job sounds awful. Six o'clock in the morning buying their beer, guys with shakes and shit. And then, you know, buying beer. A fucking 30 rack of Schlitz or whatever it is. And just, yeah, it was a sad. And, but the good thing about being at Gary's is Gary didn't give a shit if we were rude to the customers. Because <laughs> we had the best prices down and a bunch of like really good looking women worked there besides me. Uh, and it, it, I was the only, I was like, Strange me sense. guy, and like, and like five attractive women. And, uh, and, and so like, yeah, so he didn't kick because he knew people were going to come back in for that. And because it was cheap prices. So he didn't give a shit if we were mean to him. So I would, I was, it was the opposite of me having my restaurant where I was nice to people all the time. For the most <laughs> right. part, I was like mean to people all the time. I was like, get the fuck out of here. That's not like, like shit. Do you see that the owners that uh, you, when you got the, the new people, they sold it. Yeah. But I mean, they must've had it for 20 years. They did, right. That's that, what I mean. Right? Yeah. But they, um, they just sold it a few months ago. Deepak and Rita, I believe. I, I don't know, but they sold yeah. it. Yeah. They, I, cause well, I read the article. I thought of you. I'm like, oh I, shit. Yeah. I didn't get along with them cause I, I was a right, really good worker too. Yeah. I didn't cause they, they were not good to me. And I, I'm a good worker. Well, you're so good so. to the customers. I can see why they, you know. It was different. Yeah, sure, sure. sure. <laughs> no, by that time I was a manager, so I wasn't dealing with a lot of the cashier stuff. I was like restocking and bringing the cigarettes down and like processing payments and all sorts of stuff. And they, yeah, it was it was not scratch ticket people are the worst. It's fucking scratch. Sorry, people. if you like scratch tickets, I'm sorry. Get out of here. Just, come on. Yeah, right. Right. Um, I think that's pretty much it for me. Okay. Yeah. So we're back on uh on tomorrow Patreon uh, with Catch Me If You Can. Catch Me If You Can and Foo the Fighters. Foo Fighters song, right? All my life. And then next week, we are back. We're going to be in uh, in October of 2001. And we're going to be covering uh, Training, Training Day and Zoolander for the Patreon. Right. So the next, uh, a week from now, the next free show is going to be Training Day. Training Day. Uh, so that gives, keeps our streak going of movies that have been nominated for multiple Oscars. This will be five in a row with Training Day and Zoolander will stop the streak. With yes. Did August. Training Day win any? I can't remember. Yes, it did. Denzel Washington won. Oh, Denzel, of course, once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second. Oh. Yeah. Um. Okay. Anything else? Uh. Did you do it? Goodbye.